Life from the Well is sponsored by Scratch Distillery. Located in Edmonds, Washington, Scratch Distillery crafts delicious spirits from scratch. Every batch is made by hand from local non-GMO organic grains. Head on over to Edmonds and taste the natural, delicious flavors for yourself. If you have an itch for a cocktail, go scratch it. Hi guys, and welcome to Life from the Well. My name's Joey, and I'll be your bartender and host. This is the podcast that brings you behind-the-scenes service industry stories and in-depth cocktail profiles. Thank you for joining us, and enjoy the show. This episode from Life from the Well is served handcrafted by Barfly Mixology Gear, a line of essential tools for mixologists. We here at Life from the Well would love to hear from you. Head on over to lifefromthewell.com forward slash guest and fill out our guest questionnaire so we can get to know you better and we'll be in touch. Life from the Well. And joining us today is Emily Driscoll, a bartender from Pittsburgh currently um, by way of a few other places, but Pittsburgh is home, right? Yes. Awesome. Well, Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm really happy to be joining today. Absolutely. Um, cool. Well, uh, let's let's uh, start off right here up top. It's name then shot because bartenders shake hands by taking shots, right? All right. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Frenette makes everything better. Absolutely. When the night goes bad, just Frenette. Yes. Okay, yeah, <laughs> so, um, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your your place in the industry, kind of um, what brought you into it, what kept you around? Yeah, so um, I have been working in the industry for, for what feels like forever, about 10 years now. Um, been kind of working all over. I unfortunately was one of those kids that got a job in a restaurant as my first job, and then um, they did tip share, and I realized my friends that were working at the grocery store were making minimum wage and I had like 200 bucks a day that I was making. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Then I went into college and I was like, well, I'm not making money anymore. So <laughs> pursued bartending, gave the other education, put that on the back burner for a little bit. And now I'm just stuck, I think, but it's great. <laughs> that's awesome. How, um, so you settled into bartending just because it's, it's the best. That's where you fit. Yeah, well, it was always my dad's dream to become a bartender, and he focused on finance, which is so stupid. Why would you do that when you can be a bartender? So right. <laughs> I, uh, he taught me how to make drinks when I was really young, and uh, just like with, with what he was drinking and everything, like whiskey-based stuff. So I went into bartending, and I was like, okay, I can do it. I know what an old-fashioned is. I'm 16, but damn, can I make an old-fashioned? Nice. You've already had some pre-training, probably better than most bartenders when they get to their first day. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I just mean as far as the knowledge of some of the drinks. <clears throat> I think bartending itself is more about learning how to deal with the people, but but having that cocktail knowledge sure helps, right? Absolutely. It only <laughs> took uh, maybe three years after I started bartending to learn that you don't put sour in a Manhattan, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> Everyone gets there. That's all right. I think we all have those moments. I think there was... Um, I had someone that was putting grenadine in their Manhattans because they wanted it. They were trying to get it to look more red. Oh, no. to say it's even another bite. And I was like, that's not the red that's in it. Stop. 
<laughs> you know, I've heard I've heard a lot of fun things along the way. We, we all have our we all have our blind spots. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, I've definitely hid the grenadine from some bartenders that I've worked with, just because an old fashioned with grenadine isn't the best drink you can have. Maybe not the worst, but um, mm, I wouldn't yeah. do it. No, no, I, I, I. I'm even against muddling the cherry in an old fashioned. I mean, I know that that's some people's um, truth. And I know that the old fashioned is definitely one of those cocktails that, that will split a room of bartenders up quicker than any other drink. <laughs> well, then you have like the Wisconsin old fashioned where they put everything that they can find in their fridge on top of an old fashioned and call it a day. Yeah, it's almost a Bloody Mary, <laughs> but it's an old fashioned. <laughs> like what's happening right now? This is my. This is my citrus and cherry quota for the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So what is the traditional way? Is like lemon bitters and a lemon or something. I heard from a really old school bartender. He's like, oh, you can never put anything but just a lemon twist on it. Otherwise, hmm. you're a millennial. That's funny. Um, I, I've, <laughs> I've found there's like nine or ten right ways to do it, depending on the era that you're in. The original old fashioned, if you go back far enough, was just considered like a cocktail um, and it was made with gin. And so, I mean, it's it was like gin, bitters, sugar, um, citrus. And so it's just a matter of of the evolution and the time frame. You know, there was there was a time where they were mashing up the chip. There was like the Don Draper old fashioned that they did in Mad Men and, and like the era around that where people were modeling everything. Some people just do like a clean stir and strain. Some people like to serve all the fruit muddled. Some people add soda. Some people add a little simple syrup. Well, simple syrup, I guess, is part of it. You're either using simple, simple syrup or a sugar cube. Or... Exactly. But I mean, honestly, I think as long as, as long as um, the person you're serving it to is happy with it, there's no wrong way ultimately, you know. Exactly. You just gotta make the, the guest happy. Yeah. It's tough too when you work in a place that's like, that's like tourist, um, but it's a cocktail bar. And so you get like all the people that want their different versions. And so then a lot of times you just like learning that I would sit down and ask people like, Oh, what will, uh, what's your perfect uh, old fashioned. And then I just try to make that version and see how, uh, you know, then compare that to other ones that I know. Sometimes it's, it's also server error though, because I did have a server once and he didn't know what perfect Manhattan meant. And this was just a couple of months ago, actually maybe six months ago. And he kept bringing in perfect Manhattans. And I was like, that's really interesting. You know, you don't see those that often. He rang in probably 10 of them, the whole shift. And I was like, wow, this is, was at the same table or the like, old school. And he's like, no, they just said, make it, make a Manhattan, but make it really good. So I just modded it perfect. <laughs> was, oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the terminology so, I think is one of those things that needs to be almost like, um, there needs to be some sort of class to go learn like all the old school bar terminology because there's, there's so many so many of those little for like the perfect neat up we, uh, the um perfect was a funny one i had the other day but uh like the old, i guess yeah just the old timey terms that we all that have a lot of them have gone by the wayside but we, we just need like those old mentors that can come in and, and fill everybody in i guess that's kind of what i'm doing with the show here this is this is this is where we teach people. I like <laughs> <Right>? it. <laughs> Reach out. You say, "Hey, a perfect Manhattan, half for a half dry, half sweet vermouth." Exactly. Then whiskey or 
whatever your preferred spirit. Little bitters, give it a stir. Love it. I can handle it. I had I had someone order a perfect Manhattan the other day. That's funny that you brought that up though. It just like sparked some weird memory in my head. Um, I couldn't do it because our Manhattan was pre-batched, but <laughs> I remember thinking like during a pandemic, someone's trying to even modify their cocktails. Like because <laughs> it's all we we're just doing um we're all takeout right now. And yeah. so we just used all of our laws in Washington. That's where I'm at, Seattle. Um, to that we can finally do cocktails to go. I guess that's been pretty much nationwide, right? Yeah, we Pennsylvania's got some of the strictest liquor laws, I'd say, outside of U Utah, because they're pretty bad. Mm -hmm. But um, we have been doing to-go cocktails probably since day one, and it's been easily one of the better things. Like, I go for a run, um, and then there's a bar on my way back from the run, and I get a, a Long Island, you know, it's a little... Thank you. You did a really good job today for running half a mile. <laughs> Enjoy the long run. <laughs> That's so good, though. That's um. It's funny because um, a buddy of mine and I we were trying to think of um. We're, you know, we're out of work and so we're trying to be creative. We're like, what if we made like a to-go cocktail program out of our basement or something, or you know, just had some way to you know be backyard bartenders. And so he. Being the law-abiding citizen he is, he he emailed the Washington State Liquor Control Board and uh, was asking him like questions around around what we, you know how we would do this legally, and in the email we got this really like kind of brush us off, almost like annoyed response about how um, the <laughs> the to-go cocktail program was never is never going to be a long-term solution. It's just a temporary thing. Don't get used to it. Um, even, even in, you know, in this time, what you're proposing is, is illegal selling spirits out of your backyard, <laughs> just like lecturing us. And I was like, I think you guys are overestimating your ability to control this once the world gets settled in. I, the, the to-go cocktails anyways, because I feel like that's just something that we do now. Yeah. Well, I work um, at a bottle shop right now. I'm helping out at the Miracle Cocktail Bar in Pittsburgh as well. Um, but I'm working at this wine and bottle shop just because, if anything, that won't get shut down, right? And mm -hmm. they have just a wall of to-go cocktails, like probably 50 to 60 cocktail like bags for sale. And it's been working out great. I mean, people come in for them, especially because we're open till 11. You know, that's the mm -hmm. end of the line for selling alcohol anyways for us. Yeah. And they'll just it come in and load up, head out. Nice. I like that. One of the places I work at, we have um, – we have uh, four slushy machines since we have four boozy slushies yes and then we, get, we get those you know the compostable ziploc bags you Absolutely. put stuff in, they seal up and so we just sell our slushies to go and we there's more often than not we get orders for you know six to ten slushies people come in and just <laughs> have a they have a whole night planned <laughs> i love like, yeah. the slushy thing you know you run into those bartenders that are like and i mean i'm speaking because i was definitely one of them at a certain point but where you look at a bar with a slushy machine and you're like that place is trash i'm not going there <laughs> And then now yeah. that I've been working with slushies and drinking more of them because of the pandemic, I'm like, God, I was a dumb, dumb person because these are great. They're delightful. I think, I think over the last few years, though, the standards have been raised on the slushy cocktail too. Exactly. Like it just be like that, that basic, simple or uh, sour mix that you would buy that was kind of an over sugared, uh, over sugared lemon drink almost. The powdered <laughs> you know I mean? one that turns green because that one is yeah. the top. Yeah. Yeah, but when when people started raising the standards of of the slushies, and I, the the last bar I worked at for five years was a Mexican restaurant. We had a frozen margarita, 
Um, but the way to avoid using the blender was to have a slushy, you know, and we used a old soft serve machine. So it was like this big industrial soft serve machine. So it actually ran colder than a lot of slushies. And so we had to add more tequila to it to keep it from freezing solid. So our, we were kind of known we had to serve like really small margaritas there because our slushies were so strong. Uh, when we first opened that place, I think in a 10 ounce glass, we, 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 we figured it was roughly like five and a half ounces of alcohol with the tequila and uh, triple sec combined. Now I'm just picturing you and other, a couple other bartenders just like shooting a mid shift, you know, in the weeds. <laughs> yourself <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the, that the funny thing is too that slushy machine as much waste as we had was um it was it was amazing how it kept our liquor costs like on just because everything's measured out so specifically already and you have you know it's just like it's, it's pre-batch cocktails you know you don't you don't have the over the spillage or anything <laughs> exactly it gave us a really good standard to kind of build the rest of the bar around was our frozen slushies. Yeah, so then you can waste a little bit on the other the other liquors, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then we had some high-end mezcals and, and some extra Añejo tequilas and stuff that we would go nuts with. Have better prices. We could do half-price Sundays because of it. That was pretty sweet. Come in on Sunday and everything over like 12 bucks was half-price on the spirit wall. Oof. Some of those high-end tequilas are great. I just stodged at a... Um, like a taco bar in Pittsburgh recently. And they were like pulling them off the wall. They're like, this one tastes like marshmallows. You want to try it? And I'm like, well, it's five. And I'm here till 10. And I don't work here yet. So maybe not. <laughs> oh, man. You just got to go into it. Tequila is one of those things I found. It's like, um, I always call it the sativa of alcohol. It's the one that, uh, at least for the first couple, if you're, if you're a weed um verse at all that's the uh it's the upper like you you have the shot of tequila versus like whiskey makes you kind of go down a little bit or like angry but tequila like kind of lifts you up makes you happy and bounce around gives you that kind of crazy energy oh absolutely i don't know what it is about the cactus but yeah something the cactus spirit <clears throat> i love it um i think so the cocktail that you chose today, I'm kind of really excited about because um, we haven't covered swizzles yet at all on the show. We've done. Gosh, we're yes. Up, we're coming up on like 50 episodes and um, this is our first swizzle. And so it's kind of fun to to jump into it because it's actually like a really old. Um, it's, an old it's an old ass drink. It's been around. It predates the cocktail. Um, as far as we know, it's like referenced in, in the 1800s. Um, and like media and stuff. So I think everything about the swizzle is so cool, though. Like even the stick has to be handmade. And, yeah, well, it, um, for, you know the, stick, the sticks grow off of a tree, like the original ones that they call like the swizzle stick tree. That it doesn't really. <laughs> I don't. That's the name that most people know it by, just because like the way that they grow. It's the little. If anybody knows the swizzle stick, it's a it's a long stick with at the end it has like four or five or six little prongs that are sticking out. Um, like flat on the end. And so when you put it in your drink, you, you, um, what do you, what's this motion? <laughs> you, uh, you move, you move your hands together. So and, like making and, a fire almost. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you're like, you're spinning the stick. You put the stick in between your two palms and then you spin it in the glass. Um, and that's swizzling. <laughs> um, 
and and uh, to to make a proper swizzle, you have to uh, you just stir it until frost appears on the outside of the glass. Exactly. So it's a lot of this motion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we we used to have um, at a restaurant I worked at. We had uh, God. I wish I remember what they were called. <laughs> it was something for making hot cocoa, and it was like a wooden. Um, it was a wooden mixer, like a. It would froth the milk, so you pour your chocolate in, then you pour your hot milk in, and then you take this, this wooden stick with like holes on the end, kind of, and then you do the exact same thing until the milk frothed up. Um, and it was like a, it was a, supposed to be like a, how the Mayans made hot chocolate back when hot chocolate was first. I don't know. If it's like that or whatever, <laughs> from from hot chocolate culture, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's really informative. I'm, this is great. Um, anyways, back to the swizzle. Uh, yeah, and the fun thing with swizzles is what they said. Like, so the original one was made with rum. It was like the it was like the, in Barbados, and it's actually I think it's the the official drink of Barbados. Hold on, I, I did remember. not know that. I think that when I had sent it to you, I had been drinking and I was feeling just a little bit um, melancholy, but equally vindictive because we have this huge festival that happens in Pittsburgh every year about pickles and it's called Picklesburg. And it is probably one of the most attended events in our city. Um, mm -hmm. And I decided- You guys, you guys are the ones that started- what? I'm so sorry. So you guys are the ones that started the Jameson and pickle juice shots, aren't you? I hope was, we are, but I feel like that came from over over there. When people, the first time I was getting asked for them were people from Pittsburgh. I think they were like, oh, "I just had this weird thing." I could definitely see that. Yeah, pickles are a huge part of Pittsburgh's culture. But I wanted, I made this awesome dill chartreuse swizzle, and I'm like, mm -hmm. "Yeah, we're gonna put this on the menu." I had one of those like garage door bars, and the other bartender, he looked like he was gonna smack me across the face, and he's like, "Are you absolutely kidding me?" Gonna swizzle every drink. <laughs> Well, I was not working that weekend. I was out of town. Sure. So yeah, that's the best. That's the best. I used to love doing that. Put, I put like an egg white cocktail on, on the menu just uh, when I was going out of town for vacation. Like, Have a good one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but the drink did get nixed, unfortunately. It was fantastic, though. And I don't really good. It again. I just don't want to. Um, I liked having the free swizzle stick at work. I don't want to put the $20 into a swizzle stick here. Yeah. Right. You gotta you just gotta try find somewhere that, that you can order an extra swizzle stick from. <laughs> or they or you just use a bar spoon. Bar spoons can work in a pinch, you know. Because they're most of them are twisted and they and they spin really well when you do the hand. They do because so. of the, the grooves, the ridges on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and honestly, it's probably easier because most bar spoons are metal versus the, the wooden swizzle stick. Yeah. I guess uh bartender's preference, really. Uh, so it's the official, the national drink of Bermuda is the, the where um, where the swizzle kind of gained its its legend, um, and it started as a punch. So it was they'd make like a huge batch of it, and then you just pour it into a glass and agitate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, and then you so then the I love I don't know I love a drink with texture. It's it's like like I said egg whites and swizzles. And anytime you can, I don't know anytime you can change from just liquid to something else, it's fun. So working up that froth. I think a lot of guys say that you need to, well, I was reading um, Imbibe, have you, read, have you read that book? It's um, David Wondrich, he's a cocktail historian. He has a book called Imbibe, it won like a James Beard Award. 
and he had, he has a whole section on swizzle. Um, anyways, I was researching, um, the swizzle and, uh, it was kind of fun because you were talking about the chartreuse swizzle as something. And so I was went looking for the origins of, um, the chartreuse swizzle just to kind of see where that one started. And, um, in print, at least for, for a lot of a couple of different websites, it gives credit to a bartender from San Francisco, um, Marco Dionysus. It's a D-I-O-N-Y-S-O-S. Dionysus. Sounds right. It would make um, sense that San Francisco would do it, though. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a few um, cocktails that we've done that have been linked to that little culture down there. And it's, it's uh, I mean, that's where, that's where um, Jerry Thomas kind of gained some of his renown and of course that's going to leave a legacy um well it's difficult <clears throat> to go somewhere in san francisco and not get a fantastic dining experience from like start to end yeah they're always that's, on it i love that too I, I love i don't know i love cities with a food culture and a cocktail culture it just it makes them so much more worth going to <laughs> absolutely um, it's funny because in this, uh, in, in my research here, this, which is a, a internet search a little bit and, and like two pages in a book, <laughs> uh, there's three different bars, uh, credited to the, to the invention of the chartreuse swizzle. It's funny because everybody gives credit to Marco for making it, but, uh, punch says it's smugglers cove, um, Harry Denton's Starlight Room because they said it was a cocktail competition that Marco won at a different bar, and so they're trying to take credit for the cocktail. And then, and then there was one more. Oh, here it is. Um, I'm so impressed with all this chartreuse swizzle uh, knowledge that you're passing on. It's fun, you know. Th there was actually stuff written down about it. I don't always get um, an actual. So much of like the cocktail history is just kind of lost to people's foggy drunken memories. <laughs> um, and so some of them are recent and it, well, and regardless of where this one was at, it was fun because I, I saw, um, there's just a, there was another drink called a green swizzle in the book here. Um, that's dated back to like 1903 and it, in that one, the it's, it's, you could see there may be a little bit of a little bit of love or inspiration from the green swizzle to the chartreuse. They oh, used, absolutely. They used wormwood bitters or absinthe, um, and so from absinthe to chartreuse, it's a pretty quick hop, skip, and a jump. Um, That's all we can get here in the U.S., though. Chartreuse, I think, is up there with one of the stronger, like yeah. uh, root-based spirits we can work with. Totally, we're starting to get some absinthe. We have there's like some there's some that's made locally in the Pacific Northwest that we have. And then I think we've, we've gotten some French stuff too. Um, now they just, they lifted um, some of the restrictions on it. Uh, I'm excited about that. That was one of the first shots I've ever taken in my life overseas. And yeah. I think I went blind for about a minute <laughs> after I had it, but I haven't had anything yeah. in the U S that hits me just quite as terrifyingly bad as mm -hmm. the real absinthe. Right. That, that green, <laughs> The, the, the stuff that like 140, 150 proof kind of stuff that just really uh, it coats your throat and takes over the rest of the night. It's dangerous though, because it's so much like Sambuca in flavor and then you just lose the fact that Sambuca will not get you drunk that same way. No, no, absinthe drunk is, um, no, what I remember of it, it's, it starts fun, but usually 
that's where it ends. That's not... <laughs> Just in my head. It doesn't always end in me remembering the rest of the night. So that's unless it's like one last one with like a cigar. That's always fun. No, I've definitely gotten um definitely a swizzle with uh, absinthe in it when I was in Salem, Massachusetts for a little bit. And I think I went witch hunting after maybe three of them. And it's, I just apologize to everyone I probably thought was a witch on the street that night. I mean, I imagine in Salem, they're probably used to that though, right? <laughs> I bet, yeah. We get enough tourists here. We know. I'm going to call me a witch at some point. It's all laugh. It's like rain in Seattle. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers. That's fun. Uh, that's the that's the um, chartreuse swizzle. So the drink itself, the chartreuse swizzle. We should probably cover the recipe. I'll, I'll, we'll make a video for it on YouTube and release it. Um, we're gonna. <laughs> we have a few that we need to release. We'll get to that in uh, in due time. I'm excited to watch it while you do the swizzle stick. I'll have to stand there for. <laughs> we may we maybe do a time lapse. You, know, <laughs> you can curse me if you want. Just I think the other bartender did, but while you're doing, you're right. waiting for the frost. Can you imagine like the forearm strength those guys had that used to make those like consistently? Just just doing this all night long, making swizzles. Oh, I mean, I've had oyster um, shuckers from Bermuda, and they're just phenomenal with their arm strength. I wish I was like them. So I would just assume that the cocktail makers of Bermuda as well were, would be just as good, if not better. <laughs> totally. I imagine that's, you know, it's just something you, I mean, like anything, you get stronger over time. They say uh, the, the, the key to mastery is repetition. So. I always like to say though, with cocktailing, if you look at say a bartender's arm and the arm of maybe a 40 year old virgin. We both have the same muscle and it's the same <laughs> muscle that I get bartending that, yeah. you know, guys get when mm -hmm. they're alone in a room for a little bit. It's the, it's the same motion. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that, it's that back and forth wrist motion. <laughs> Sometimes you get the shoulders involved. That's uh, yeah. That's why I used to, I, that used to be a joke when people would ask, um, it's a, if I want to be a bartender, what's something I should do? I say, well, first you need to develop the muscles. So go buy a shake weight <laughs> <laughs> and just sit in your room and shake, find a rhythm. And then you can bartend at a club. <laughs> I just helped someone mix their first cocktail on Saturday, actually. And it was so funny. It was uh, like a business guy and he had his mouth wide open and he was like shaking. <laughs> and it was easily one of the funniest things I've ever seen um just so excited <laughs> it's just it was great it's really bad motions though this being right too close to the mouth yeah that's why i always go um i always i always go over my shoulders when i shake because i try to exactly. keep it away from my face yeah I do, I do the i do the double shake a lot or the single i just put it behind my head and just throw it back there and shake it because i'd rather have it splash a little on my shoulder than all down the front of me that's the absolutely because both have happened. <laughs> Especially when you're making like a sour with egg whites and then like the, the pop the shaker pops open a little bit and you get like <laughs> frothy egg white all down the front of you. Uh, you probably smell good for the rest of the, the shift with that egg yeah, white. To explain away. <laughs> I was making drinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing about the swizzle stick. I, had a, I found the swizzle stick tree. Um, 
thing. It says the swizzle stick is a spindly tree with pretty white flowers. Each branch of the tree splits off into three smaller branches that form the shape of a swizzle. And the swizzle is the stick with three prongs on the end. This creates a tool perfect for quality mixing cocktail. So it's funny because I think the cocktail actually predated the tr like the stick because originally it was just like cold rum and water. It was like this diluted cocktail that was easy to drink. And then like as as they got ice and Bermuda, the cocktail evolved um, just like cocktails evolve when ice happens. Happened in American culture, happened all over the world. Um, and then, but you know, then they started using the stick from the tree to do it and it became the swizzle stick tree. So I, I always like it when the cocktail inspires the naming of something. Absolutely. Because um, that actually, it's true with swizzle and my other favorite thing that's true of is chartreuse. Is the, the color chartreuse is named that because it's the color of the, the spirit. That's one of my favorite facts for sure. Right. Most like people the, that know the, the color only, don't uh, know. The only spirit a color is named after? What? The only spirit that a color is named after? Chartreuse's? Or the first spirit that a color was named after, at least, yeah. That's the, actually, chartreuse. I mean, it's such a beautiful color, too. Right? Look at that. God, what a great alcohol. What a great liquor. <laughs> Anything green is fine. I still remember being like 18 or 19 years old and sending my boyfriend at the time out to go get me a bottle of green chartreuse. And he called me in a panic at the liquor store. And he's like, is it supposed to be $60? I was like, oh no, it's pretty expensive. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's about $20 cheaper than it is here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you're lucky, it's $60. <laughs> that's funny. Gosh, I think that was my first chartreuse swizzle back then. And I don't think he wanted to drink it once he paid $60 for the liquor. I think he was like, this better be the best cocktail on the planet if I'm going to spend this. <laughs> um, oh, the with the cocktail recipe for the chartreuse swizzle. I was going to throw that out there, and then I think I got distracted later. Then now we're back to it. So, Yes. We did it. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a one and a quarter ounce chartreuse, one half ounce of phalernum which is your clove um, syrup, basically, is a phalernum. It's used in a lot of tiki drinks. Um, or there you go, from Bermuda. Um, one ounce of pineapple juice and three quarters ounce of lime juice. And then you put that all in. So you could, you could swizzle it, or now bartenders a lot of times cheat on their swizzles and they shake them too. But um, to be legit, I mean, in the video, we'll for sure use a swizzle stick and swizzle it, because that's, I mean, that's the fun of it, right? Um, then for my dill one, I just cheated and added two sprigs of fresh dill and it's almost kind of pickly, put a little pickle mm -hmm. juice in there too. If you want, uh, cut the lime yeah. down, but with the yeah. dill, it's really nice. That sounds fun. I like it. I like using herbs and things too. It's always fun because then you can grow like plants in the bar that you can like pick and throw into the drink. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you, if you get to be in a bar like that, I know they're all, it's not always possible, but it's always fun when you get to see that. <laughs> Sweet. Um, cool. How are you feeling about the cocktail? Informed? Yes. I always loved it. Now I just love it even more now that I know it's beachy. So I can go to beach bars and order one and definitely get it made for me because yeah. they'll know what it yeah. is. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's way, I mean, 
from the time frame, it's really one of those things that I feel like everybody should kind of know about. <laughs> you know, it's exactly. been, it's, I mean, it's like the same time frame as the flip, really, when it was coming about. And both of them, I feel like, are way above their time. Like bartenders now are still trying to reach that level of nirvana yeah. to create a cocktail like that. You know, what's funny is um, that, that so uh, in this book, they cover um, prohibition and that, that era and how pre-prohibition we really the american culture was was like vibrant and bubbling with you know all this innovation in the cocktail we had a huge cocktail culture like it was insane everybody was great um all these great drinks were coming and then prohibition hit and like the people that were serious about it you know moved to other countries and that's basically how how you know the cocktails took over the world was prohibition here made people that wanted to drink go other places but it also like um, really put a chokehold on our cocktail culture for a long time. And during prohibition was when people started drinking soda with, um, with their spirit because it would help them conceal it or, you know, like Coca-Cola or something, they would put whiskey in their Coke or vodka in their Coke and it would be concealable. You could just walk around drinking Absolutely. a glass of Coke. Um, and, you know, then we just started really, and then, you know, people just started getting a taste for sugary drinks and, you know, they just got sweeter and sweeter from there. And that, and, you know, we just had this crazy time frame where finally now in like the 2010 to 20s, like the last 10 years, I feel like we're getting back to kind of an era of really appreciating. I mean, there's been cocktail bars, you know, here and there, but like the, it's really, I feel like we're finally getting to the place that we were before everything shut down. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, one of the, the coolest things about prohibition and how it's impacting now, I'd say, is the, uh, the Amaro trend. It's been really delightful to finally, I feel like just now, and I've been doing this for, for a bit now, but I've just now started noticing people around my age, you know, like late 20s, asking about Amaros. And it's been really, really cool to see because, you know, 20s you're thinking they're going to just get the tequila shots i mean they get they get those too but they want ramazzotti some girl asked me for the other day and i was just delighted because yeah. it's still a sweeter amaro for sure but definitely on that more kind of like root based edge which was really cool to see nice nice yeah i i, I love the all the like the craft amaros um, there's like a Northwest Fernet you can find that's really good. We had the Fernet Valet at my last place because we were a tequila bar, so we had like a Mexican Fernet that uh, was really, really unique, but still very much a Fernet. Um, yeah, that's a that's a fun, that's a whole fun like section of the bar to go down in the Amaros. Yeah, it's definitely interesting and like to find a place that does Amaros really well. I know when I was talking about doing this call, I was thinking about bad bar stories and I thought of probably the worst one. And I would love to see anyone try to top this. I really would. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about ever since I started working in the service industry up until this year, I've worked every Christmas, every Thanksgiving. And I was bartending, um, I want to say three years ago, two years ago, over Christmas. We ran out of mashed potatoes at like, eight o'clock on christmas day we closed at 10. Dude, no. i have never had more old men tell me to go fuck myself than christmas day 2017 <laughs> to my face um and it was i was in palm beach at the time i don't know if you know that's where donald trump likes to go hang out it was picture mm -hmm. 
hundred people just like him telling me to go fuck myself. I think I was 22 at the time. And, and why? I think I was because 22. We ran out of mashed potatoes. And they because they couldn't have mashed potatoes. It's so terrible. Because their fillets would come with two servings of asparagus or roasted mm. potatoes. And yeah. I think I cried in the bathroom for probably an hour during that service. But Christmas really happy is a that hard... everything's closed here for Christmas. <laughs> right? I was like, Christmas is a hard shift to work anyways. I feel like it's just... It, there's there's no reason a restaurant should be open on Christmas unless you're like open to like feeding the homeless people around you or something. You know, it's like it it, it should be a day of like service and love you know, as opposed to like, where can we go eat? You know, figure it out. Like you can make yourself food one day a year. Right. Well, that was the one, like one of the saddest things that I've seen in the service industry as well in a whole is the people that had kids. And one of my close friends, when I was in Orlando um, bartending, she had two little kids. She told them, because school was out, that Santa came on the 23rd, because mm. she had to work the 24th and the 25th. She took off yeah. the first two days. And she was like, thank God they are not in school right now, because their friends would tell them otherwise, but my kids will grow up thinking the 23rd is when Santa comes. Yeah, <laughs> it works at least for now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the service industry, like, story, though. I mean, I feel like that's uh, worked every, working in hotels, especially. I think that's been worked every single day of the year because hotels never shut down. They don't. There's always someone working. You miss holidays. You miss birthdays. And it kind of changes your relationship with your family sometimes, I think, right? Definitely. Um, God, my, my boyfriend, he works in finance, and he was telling me because he served when he was 18. And he's like, mm -hmm. I could never do it. It was my dad's birthday and they made me work. And I was like, oh God. And he's like, I've never been more mad in my life. Dad's birthday. And I was like, I, I worked every one of my birthdays. birthdays. <laughs> I know. It's, I worked my 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> right? Me too. Yeah. And the little POS yeah. system said, happy birthday, Emily. And I was like, <laughs> fuck <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Where's my steak? Like, come on. At least I, I should get a double a of that day. Oh, man. I went home and I popped um, a goose island and was like, okay, we're good. This is where I want to be. Yeah. I think the, the benefit of working your birthday every once in a while really uh, helps you celebrate it better in the coming years, though. You Plus appreciate all the it. tips you get when you tell people, you know, it's my birthday. I'm here. Yeah. You, you know what? Uh, birthday, getting married. And I, I imagine I've never had a baby, but I think having a baby is probably pretty good, too, for tips. Right, that's um, I one of the things when that I was, makes me want to do it. Like the week leading pregnant. to my wedding was some of the best tips I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so I, I had like a bunch of regulars that came and saw me like every week, and so they all knew that I was going to be gone for two weeks. I told them, you know, I'm going to get married. We're going to be in Hawaii, and that last that last week, I was like, I was like fifty to a hundred dollar tips on every single card. I was just like, holy shit, it's pretty great. I know I told my boyfriend now I'm like I want to bartend while I'm pregnant and he's mm -hmm. like you drink at work though and I was like, well, <laughs> I'll stop you know I'll stop yeah, yeah. And he's like you know you yeah, tell me you're gonna stop every week and you always come home drunk so I mean when there's a baby there it's different right yeah it's different to be yeah. fair though every day I think I come home and I'm like I'm never drinking again I promise <laughs> yeah 
especially with miracle like the owner of the miracle in pittsburgh he i think he won world class a couple years ago he's a really really good bartender but i tried to keep up with him the other day and that's why i do not have a white claw open right now is i was (laughs) tasting the mango in my mouth for like three days Mm -hmm. yeah you know i've learned um here's my here's my uh tip for later that i can just put in right now i've learned that uh trying to keep up with anyone ever is always a bad idea <laughs> it's the worst i'm always the because per- honest here, here's the thing being the service being the bartender the the, the server the, this the that you always show up to the party like two hours late or you know after midnight and everybody's like woo and so you're like all right i need to get to their level so you're like three and a half yeah, but that never goes well. You know, it, you have like a great like forty-five minutes of the party, and then the rest of it, you're like you know, having arguments or trying to wrestle somebody in the grass or crying in the bathtub or you know, I don't, I don't know what you do at your parties, but this is just my experiences. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's all a matter of um, what's that self-awareness we were talking about earlier? You know, just coming back to like, all right, let's let's give all this alcohol time to to kick in before uh, before I give myself more. Definitely, no, I was working in the kitchen. So they shut down all of the bars in Pennsylvania on Friday night. I said I'd help out in the kitchen on Friday night. I was working mm. at the Christmas bar. They're all drinking up front, you know? Now I'm in the kitchen, I don't wanna be drinking, it's hot. They were giving me shots and every time they took a shot, I went and bent down and put it in the cooler and closed the door and stood back up and I was like, oof. Was that Jack? Oh, it burns. Mm. Like that's pretty rough. Probably had four or five shots in the cooler. I had maybe like six yinglings above the line that I wasn't drinking just because I drank too much the night before. Nice. And I went Shout to the after to party completely sober. And <laughs> I, I watched the conversations finally and things that go down where I would usually be like heavily drunk. Mm-hmm. And a couple of my friends, these two guys, big guys with beards, they're like, do you want to go down into the basement with us and take shots? And I was like, that just sounds like a porn I don't want to be in. So oh, no. <laughs> <you're> not. <laughs> and it was great to see everyone having such a good time. But then on the other hand, I was like, oh, God, we're awful. We are the people that we hate at other that, bars. <laughs> that, doesn't being like the sober person at a party almost feel like an out-of-body experience sometimes? It like, does. I got my right butt now? hit so many times. And I'm like, <laughs> would I have liked this if I was really drunk? Would I have been into this? Probably wouldn't even have noticed. <laughs> um, it was it was delightful though, because I don't think I've ever been the sober person at the party. I think I've always been drinking. Nice. Moderate. That's a fun that's a fun social experiment, I think. But it was really cool to see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just new heightened levels of awareness. That's fun. Because <clears throat> then you, you know, you get your see your friends in like a whole new, a whole new light. Well, for us, this bar is really cool because it's all of the bartenders from the city that are like good bartenders, you know, that are mm-hmm. all working yeah. at this bar. So we have people that we wouldn't normally be with. And then when you get typically a good bartender, and I've only seen a few instances where this isn't the case, but a good bartender does drink a lot you get a bunch of people that might potentially be alcoholics all together in a room and convince them they're not it's a party (laughs) exactly over over the years um one thing we like to cover is is gross experiences here Um, 
Is there anything that stood out uh, in, in that category for you? I, I don't want to cause too much trauma from the past, but. Uh... So I have a lot of them, but I think the biggest one Ed, that I've ever experienced happened the other night. And I really hate myself because it did happen the other night, like literally Friday night. And I want to know if you've ever seen this, but we had a table, you know, during the pandemic, last night of indoor seating, mm -hmm. girls, you know, my age, 24, 25, stood up and started taking their clothes off on the table of the bar, of the restaurant bar, stripping. Mm -hmm. And do you want to know why they did it? COVID? Because Lizzo came on. Because Lizzo came on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what song? Truth Hurts. <laughs> I mean, I love Lizzo. Uh, not that much. That's, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, that's interesting. I, 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 I didn't know that, like, maybe, is that like, did, were they hypnotized at one point? And then that's yeah, just I like, wish. Just I don't know what made them do it. And I even, it caused a bigger issue because I get home and I tell my boyfriend that that's what happened. And he's like, why don't I ever go to bars like that? And I was like, okay, well now, now you've caused even bigger of an issue in my mind. Tell them, to walk it. around and play Lizzo, apparently. <laughs> yeah, do you uh, be one of those boombox guys in the city? Yeah, yeah or just happens. get a, yeah, all you need now is a speaker. You get a Bluetooth speaker, clip it to your backpack strap. You're just as annoying as a boombox guy. <laughs> like, I love Lizzo, but to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. They must have been really, then, but you said that was the last night y'all were open for a little bit yeah the last night that we're allowed to be open until the yeah. 4th of january so everyone's going the other, a little crazy yeah that's um, really those people were just letting loose a little bit because they knew it was going to be a while before they could do that again probably yes i would say that one was the worst but then i had another experience also during covid where this one guy was upset that we weren't as socially distanced as he'd like so he mm -hmm. told one of the servers that he wished that her and her family got the coronavirus because we were not as socially distanced as he would like to be while he proceeded to stay. So all of my bad ones, I think, are COVID related, which is unfortunate. Sure. It's unfortunate, but it's understandable, too. I think like the 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 COVID situation has escalated, you know, tempers like it, it's really people are really short to outbursts. Now, I've noticed um, I took the first what, like four months. No, it was March to July. I just kind of waited to see what was going to happen. But then I wanted to go back to at least a few days a week working in bars just because I wanted, you know, I just wanted to see, like, how the hell we're going to do this. You know, <laughs> my only connection to people was on the podcast. And so I needed, I needed, like, some real insight on, like, how places were going to run. And, and man, it's, it's, it's so weird because people are just scared all the time, I feel like. And so they're coming in, like, de depending on how people handle that mentality, you know, they're coming in, you know, with, with aggression or, or sadness or, or whatever. I've, I've been, I got screamed at the other day because I gave a guy his cocktails in a to-go bag. <laughs> and the guy's like, what is this? And I was like, well, everything comes to go. <laughs> and he's like, but I'm sitting outside. Can I have it in a class? This looks like trash. And I was like, dude. Okay, let's try this again. <laughs> Someone yelled at me for running their credit card though during COVID. They were like, why did you touch my card and walk away with it? And I was like, because I have to 
yeah. scan it and then bring mm-hmm. it back. And she's like, well, I'm really worried about the virus though. Well, what? wipe it down. With... <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, we have hand sanitizer everywhere. Exactly. Okay. We have hand just sanitizer. Like, I'd grab a bottle of hand sanitizer and just like set that on the table. Like, here you go. Wipe it off. Like, or I'll wipe it off. You want me to wipe it off for you? But you should probably wipe it off yourself because if I wipe it off, I'm still touching it. So you wipe it off. Here's hand sanitizer. Figure it out. We're all just figuring it out. That's the thing that like people need to understand. Like everybody, like you come to a restaurant, we don't have like all the answers to how to deal with this. We're doing our best right. to to stay open and pay bills and try to also make a little bit of money, you know, so we can pay our home bills. <laughs> you know, we, we don't want our boss going out of business. And then then people come in and scream at you because they have to wear a mask, and you're like, yeah, so do I. <laughs> I bet I bet you don't have to wear it for ten hours. <laughs> no, so last week was so traumatizing because they had the um, they had the announcement that they made in Pennsylvania on Thursday, where he closed bars starting Saturday at midnight. You know, bars are closed inside, and the the announcement started at four and ended at four thirty. And my phone line was directly for the pop up bar. I get a call four thirty five. Group, they just finished the announcement. The lady goes. I have a reservation for December 26th, and I'd just like to know what's going on with it. What's going on right now? Tell me. <laughs> I didn't even know that they finished the announcement yet because I don't have any TVs in the bottle shop. The owners are still trying to get together to talk about it. And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, well, then what do you know? <laughs> You're like, I, she's like, well, you I know, know we have wine here. I know they made an announcement. <laughs> call, call the governor. <laughs> because i don't make these decisions and then for the rest of the night i had people calling from 4 30 until i stayed into answering the phone until about 11 30 because they kept bringing me for net shots to drink well (laughs) i mean if you're going to answer the phone that's kind of mandatory i feel like phone duty is is some hard work especially because of like how many places were in like i was the phone line for two bars at that point and like what the, the protocol was and it was really kind of obnoxious almost though because this pop-up bar is for charity like we're donating all of the money to the food bank and everything last year it was the women's shelter this year it's the food bank and awesome. for people to get so uptight over a charitable foundation was kind of like really obnoxious and people that were like well i can't make my reservation but i had to pay 30 dollars for my table and i should get it back it's like, well, that $30 is going to the food bank. Right. So why not would... just be okay with it? Let that be a pay it forward kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's $30. Like you're okay. You're working from home right now. So all you should be paying for is Amazon, uh, just like the yeah. rest of us. But... <laughs> but then people are so disappointed because they really wanted someone else to cook them dinner for a night. No, so many people told all of us that we've ruined their Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's um yeah the one of the awful ones was this person told my boss because he ruined his christmas by closing the bar he my boss goes well i saw the the jim carrey christmas grinch movie the other night and that ruined my christmas so we're on the same (laughs) we're all having a bad year it's 2020 all right like (laughs) universal everybody (laughs) We've all been forced into some some 
some growth opportunities this year. It's time we took advantage of. It's it's been just like a such like a such a sad year pretty much for us though to see how people just aren't getting it, you know? Like especially when it comes to the charity thing and everything closing. That really hurt my heart a lot because yeah. it's like it's a literally the food bank. Like it's the fucking food bank. You know, we're donating this money. Why are you such in a twist right now over something that's for charity? And it's really been hurting my heart a little bit to see a lot of the people, um, like more of the kind of like corporate millennials and how really shitty they are socially. Hmm. Yeah. Well, at the, is there, um, is there an online presence for the food bank? Can we give them a shout out? If people uh, are listening and want to contribute. Uh, I think that it's actually you can donate through toast to um, it would be under toast and it's through the Cove uh, Pittsburgh, the Cove bottle shop. And it's just been really sad because my boyfriend was volunteering for them and they have a new 200 families per week to feed, you know, because of COVID. Um, and then even the, the bottle shop that I work for, it's the Cove bottle shop or the Warren bar and borough. They are taking donations for service industry meals for people like us that's unemployment has run out now that everything's closed and even like ten dollars will pay for someone's meal yeah and like a lot of people that i work for have you know families and stuff and the saddest thing really is that it's christmas time and you know a lot of them have either not gotten their kids christmas presents yet or have gotten the kids Christmas presents and say this paycheck was supposed to be for rent, you know, everything like that. It's mm -hmm. the end of the month. But it's just been really sad to see the whole thing kind of unfold here in terms of all of that. Um, I can email you to the link for it if you want to stick it sure. in. Yeah, we'll share it. We'll share it on our, on our social media. Um, but it's really been sad to see people get so grumpy about something that's mm -hmm. such a good cause. Like it's, it's, $30 and most you know, it's a hundred dollars that you've donated. Sure. It's, it's the energy you put into it too. Some people have a hard time partying with money, but then there's, then there's also all those awesome people out there that are just looking for some way to help. Um, so cool. Uh, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent about it though. It's just, I've been no, answering no, phone calls stop. about it for two yeah. weeks and it's been making me so sad. No, one, one of, uh, one of the things I love the most about service industry employees is, is, uh, we're all, the people that are in it for any extended period of time, th those of us that um, that last in it, I think find a lot of fulfillment in our service to others. Um, you know, we, we like the money that we get, we like the camaraderie, but there's there's also a big fulfillment in that. And so it's fun to see what what people do outside of um, outside of the industry to give back, and, and that that always um, I don't know, it always inspires me. So thank you for sharing. Well, that's the one thing that's like sad to me is like. In Pittsburgh, everything's closed. So I'm on unemployment right now. And I took my unemployment and bought gifts for the, the industry thing, you know, like just to help all the people because they have a whole registry and everything online. And it's like, first of all, not that much money, but I, Christmas is awesome. Who doesn't want a kid to have an awesome Christmas? Like we all watch Home Alone. We all know. <laughs> and it really doesn't take that much um to to affect other people too you just have to kind of right it's 20 bucks a for a toy for something 
yeah, you just made some kids Christmas. Uh, that's that's awesome. Like I'm thinking of me when I was five. If I didn't get that Barbie cash register, I would have thrown an <laughs> absolute fit. Totally. Yeah. I mean, how many? Yeah. I I I uh, I had my. It was mine. Was the Ninja Turtle uh, van? Yes. And they wrote in. Yep. Santa brought it. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, nice. that's what I mean. You got to make someone. We don't have a ton, and I feel like that's such a good service industry thing. Is that. You know, especially with the coronavirus, I don't know if you saw this in Seattle, but definitely in Pennsylvania, we were all saying, you know, it really sucks and we're going to be really fucked by a lot of it. But if it's making people really sick, we shouldn't be open. Yeah. yeah. And then other people that are working from home, like say working from home or um, in the office part time, they're just pissed off that they can't go to the bar. And it's really upsetting because we are the ones that are hurting the most really aside from the people that are actually sick and yeah. really hurting. We are hurting financially and we're all saying like, it's really unsafe. Like, you should. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, like that's, that's, um, that's spot on. Um, that's, that's exactly what I've seen around is, 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 you know, getting, getting some flack or people being like, Oh, I'm so glad you guys are open. Finally, you know, I'm like, finally, like, I don't want to be here. I'm here because the, my unemployment's running out. You know, I, I, there's still like, there's still no slow to this. Like the, we're not open indoors. We don't, we're not at a point where the restaurant can even make money yet. You know, we're not working. We're not operating at a capacity where my boss is, is being like, good job today, guys. Like he, he's stressed out about losing the lease on this place still. And, and I'm seeing, you know, I'm catching that stress even more now than I ever did because, you know, it's a smaller company now because a bunch of people got laid off. Um, uh, or when people ask you when the pandemic is going to be over, that's another personal yeah. favorite. Yeah. They're like, when are you, when are you guys going to open up your other location? And I'm like, you know, probably when the, probably when the pandemic is better, you know, it's like, I, <laughs> The, the reason we're opening this location is because it's really easy to make to-go food here, but that location is more of like a fine dining place. And I don't imagine fine dining being a thing anyone can make money off of for at least another couple of years. Like, is even, even when we opened up for the short time in the summer, um, we opened up for, I think, up to like 50%, maybe even a little higher than 50% capacity indoor dining. Um, it was mostly tourism that i was seeing there wasn't a lot of locals coming out still like people weren't comfortable with it yet you know it was because there wasn't an answer you know now that we have um, vaccine coming you know then that's that at least gives us a light at the end of the tunnel i think it's gonna honestly it might force some people back a little quicker than they should go just because there's hope and like maybe a better chance of being treated anyways but so i, I think we're definitely looking at an end of like this weird ass time but I also think that this weird ass time is going to really have an impact on our industry, much like prohibition did, you know, in, in one way or another, we're going to, it's going to take a while for people to be comfortable at the level they were to go out and eat in a restaurant again. Exactly. Uh, I think 2020 is just 1920 and 2020. All the twenties are cursed. Yeah. All the twenties we'll are weird. Although I got to say 2020 seems to be ending a lot better than it began. Like there's, Definitely. there's at least, there's at least, a, you know, in, in my life, <laughs> from my perspective, 
I'm feeling encouraged by a lot of things that are happening at the end of 2020. Um, and so hopefully uh, it feels it feels like we might be on, a, on our track back to something uh, something a little more manageable and good. One of the sadder things that I've heard, and especially with the, the shutdown happening just a few weeks or last week, actually, which is awful. Um, someone even told one of the servers working at a bar that I'm friendly with people at, they said, so are you guys going to um, just say fuck it to the law and stay open? The server. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, the server looked at her and she was like, just for you, just so you yeah. can come in. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that what you want me to do? You want me to, you want me to put my business and health and finances all at risk so you can come and have a beer next week? Just for you for only next week, maybe the week of Christmas. Right. Oh, definitely on Christmas day. We'll be here for you. <laughs> Try knocking. <laughs> oh man. So, Hey, through, um, Speaking of 2020 and, and the, the challenge that has been for everybody, one of my favorite questions to ask is um, uh, being presented with all this new stress and change of life, what have been some of the ways you've coped with, uh, with stress in life? What, are the, you know, what do you do for your self-care? I don't know if I would do what I did. I applied for a job in one in California, maybe three or four months after COVID really got bad here. And I got it and I left and I worked in essentially a warehouse making wine. And I got back three weeks ago about, um, but I just tried to find an industry where I could still be doing what I was doing. But it was really cool because it was instead of, you know, serving a hundred people a night, I was making duck horn, decoy wine. Um, and I made it so everyone that drinks it can be impacted by how much I want them to enjoy the product that, that I'm making for them. I wish that there was that much of a move that a lot of people, like bartenders especially, could make to be influencing alcohol mm. and staying in the, the industry. Yeah. But it's so treacherous and... I know a couple of other people here that have just really gone off the deep end in terms of mental yeah. health, but I'm a workaholic, so I to make wine. When you like to contribute, it sounds like, sounds like, like you like to, you like to feel like you're building towards something good. Well, I heard the coolest thing while I was over there and I feel like you'd agree with this, but I'll, I'll pose it to you. So I was talking to another winemaker and her, boyfriend he was a goat farmer by morning and a weed farmer by night and right. um he said you know some people can sing some people can dance but i can work my fucking ass off and i was like you know i think that's an industry thing really if anything is some people have they can be famous some people yeah. are really good at math but i can work my fucking ass off behind a bar and yeah, yeah. it was cool to think that there's other places to end up if you can really work hard yeah so teachable moments as far as like uh any any more mentoring um pieces of wisdom you have for us i'd say don't fuck with a bartender on service is a really big one mm -hmm. um i don't know if you've ever been bartending a service bar and i'm always just really mean 
to the servers that are interrupting me and even the, the guests, the human beings that don't work there that interrupt me on service. I tend to be really mean with them. So. Well, service bar, I think we'll explain a little bit, right? When you're working service bar, you're not interacting with guests. You're making as many drinks as you can at a pretty high volume. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much just, it's, it's a, it's a turn and burn. Um, and yeah. And so when people come in there and start, talking with you it really slows the process and it absolutely and you always get that one guest at the end of the bar that always wants to talk to the service bartender and it's like yeah. I'll, yeah, I will no tell you to fuck off depending on the number <laughs> of tickets I have and then I get in trouble and it's on you at that point mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah I know those guys they have like no awareness either they just keep talking god I would say a big one honestly is like letting shit brush off of you is something that's a difficult thing to learn in the industry and I feel like I learned it a, a pretty hard way from working a volume situation but I just dealt with it the other day I had a bartender someone threw up in the urinal and he as people were. it was at like 6 p.m and he yeah. couldn't get past it and he was just an absolute asshole to everyone that tried to help him clean for the rest of the night and everything he said the whole night got ruined because he couldn't get past the throw up in the urinal and it's like you got to mm -hmm. kind of brush stuff off you know we're in an industry where you really have to brush things off absolutely can't yeah, let right. it ruin your whole night you know you start seeing that affect your tips pretty soon that's something i realized early on was like the more i let shit affect me especially like visually, like if I, if I'm bummed out or angry or frustrated, like I'm, I'm making, you know, 10 to 15% instead of 20 to 25%. Exactly. You gotta think like a Hooters waitress a lot of the time. You gotta have as much fun as you can. Do you have a hula hoop mm -hmm. behind the bar? Yeah. Yeah. But it's a lot of, it's just not reacting. Right. And just being like, wow. <laughs> right. It was just, it was unfortunate for him because there were so many of us that had experience you know, behind a bar or behind that bar that wanted to help him close. And he was mm. being so just gnarly from that happening when he didn't even have yeah. to clean it up, but it, he just let it get to him too much. So none of us yeah. wanted to help him because he was being so angry about something that happened seven hours ago, you know. He got wrapped up in his own experience of it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, don't get too drunk during your shift is another really good. That's a great lesson. Uh, listen, yeah. you got to learn it the hard way. If, if drinking is allowed or not, don't get too drunk during your shift. <laughs> I had it the opposite way where I told you the other day, I tried to keep up with my bar owner. Mm -hmm. And I woke up the next morning still drunk. And I went to work <laughs> and I was in the liquor stock room. I was in the stock room and I was, mm -hmm. the room was spinning. And I'm like, I have to get out of this. I'm going to break <laughs> a lot of alcohol at this point. I'm too drunk <laughs> to be in this room. <laughs> So I had, to, I had to walk out of it, but definitely don't drink too much pre or post or, you know. Yeah, know know your, just, just really understand what alcohol does to you, you know, and, and, and like gauge that. I think a lot of people try not to drink because they're worried about going too far, but I think like, gosh, I don't want to preach against the 12 step program, but I think there's really, um, there's really some value in finding your your tolerance level yeah like knowing your what limit that is and where it's at and and um you know understanding the moments to 
keep your shit together and then the moments where you can you're around trusted people and you can let go a little more exactly <laughs> yeah it's called, Don't it's take called every shot mm -hmm. that your tables or your bar guests try to buy you yeah every, every once in a while pour yourself a shot of water when they do that or or like a quarter ounce or something like that exactly give them the notion of cheers to you but i still have to do paperwork tonight <laughs> <laughs> keep the mood up but keep your sobriety up as well yeah yeah i, I used to honestly I, I would keep there's 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 been times in the past at least where i've had like a bottle of water in the well like you have like a big big speed well and that's just your own shot glass or your own shot so for when people like are for poor tests you got that water down there anyway well yeah that's absolutely you know you have the report test you have your you have your safe your ladies that are trying to do a shot but they don't want a shot used to have that more often than you'd think working in some of the neighborhoods i've worked in where someone would be have like a hidden pregnancy or something that they didn't want their friends to know about and so there was exactly. just always there's always somebody who wanted to do a shot with everybody else but they didn't want the alcohol and so it's just helpful to keep a a, a phantom bottle around or it is it's a really smart idea to especially if you have a poor test keep that poor test mm -hmm. bottle in the well because mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to pour that for a guest that's demanding a shot when they're too drunk mm -hmm. than it is to maybe tell someone that they're too drunk sometimes because sometimes and also, people want to hear it. On that note, here's we'll go, we'll rope this into the, the recommendation area too. So there's teachable moments and recommendations. Uh, always keep a pour test bottle. Be, always pour test yourself. Like when you pour test yourself, you know, what you're pouring you know your count so you can turn a bottle upside down you can look at it and you can pour an exact amount that's something exactly. that that's something that as a bartender is is a crucial skill and you should know the speed you know know the width of your pour spouts because some of them pour differently than others a lot of people think they're too good for pour tests too and it's mm. like a big issue it's like you know none of us you might be a, like a hardcore musician but none of us have that perfect countdown you know and that's really what it is is all just counting and you're like like my five is a 1.25 but maybe your five isn't a 1.25 you know it's right. it's totally different well, so my five is actually a one and a half that's a that's a good point my or no i'm sorry yeah no my five is a one two five my six is a one and a half because i do an eight count for two ounces exactly and maybe Maybe not all people do an eight count. Maybe some people's pour mm -hmm. is a 1.5. Some people, some people do, do a four count for two ounces or they do a 16 count for two ounces. So exactly. Depends. So we should, everyone should pour test. I'd strongly mm -hmm. fall behind a, a pour test. No matter how good you are, you should pour test. No matter how long you're in it, it's still such a good feeling to get a straight line, perfect pour. Oh, Oh, like, you know, you know, you're so money, right? You're just right. like, we don't that was the right best because I was like, one, two, three, four. And by the fourth one, I was just like, it's like, you know, this little walk off. You're just like, that's right. And he's the like, all right. For the, the non-bartenders that are listening to is we usually go over, not under. Mm -hmm. I can't think of many times that yeah. I've ever gone under on a poor test. Yeah. If, if any, it, it goes, you get like a little bit of that viscous on top and then it, the drip down the side. But that, that time they were. That's a good moment. It was a great moment. It was one. It was probably one of my best moments as a bartender. Cause like, I just came in there and I was like, "This, yeah." <laughs> You're just like, "Okay, whatever you say." <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, any other recommendations? 
Do you have anything to to? Oh God. Actually, you know what? Right now, I'm, I, I like since COVID, I've kind of been steering away from just service industry recommendations. So, like, any books, TV shows, music, anything worth like just just uh, consuming in your downtime. Oh God. Okay. So I just got this book, and for any bartender, I recommend it. I'm gonna grab it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna write it down. So it's Harry Johnson's new and improved bartender manual. It's one of my favorite things that I've read. And it has it's um originally written, I think, in the way before Prohibition, like mm. early Americana. Nice. But it has um how to open a bar. It has these really cute images drawn like lithograph style of what the bar should mm -hmm. look like and don't we all wish we looked like this bartender right here right yeah that guy's got the killer stash but it shows like how to roll a payroll it has the first chocolate martini ever which is essentially a flip and it's kind of gross i made it <laughs> but it's pretty cool like, it? how you should stock your bar and old school drinks and I think for any of us that like to riff old cocktails, it's a really good book nice. to be working with because you can say, like I have a lot of them that are uh, dog-eared, but I have like old Delaware fishing punch. I'm thinking of like batching and I'm okay. like playing with the rums that should be in it. Like this one is a tablespoon of sugar, two dashes of lemon juice, two dashes of lime, ice, St. Croix rum and a pony glass of Martell brandy. And like it's old school pre-prohibition yeah. cocktails to be ripping. Like punch, punches and that kind of stuff. Exactly. It's really cool to be messing with. And yeah, for awesome. bringing back those prohibition style drinks, I think it's a really cool tool to be working with. Right on. Thank you. I would say that the... the I showed the book earlier. It's got that's supposed to be Jerry Thomas uh, doing his his blue blazer cocktail. I there. love it. No, I need to get that one just as you need yeah, to this get one, this uh, one. Yeah, this one's imbibed. This is one by David Wondrich, and I've got all kinds of folded pages. And, <laughs> that's and the mark of a true bartender. Is do you? Have yeah, I know. It's like your your, your folded your pages. <laughs> yeah, I love it. No, it's so for what do you want to riff? <laughs> right. Oh man, I think the last one I was I was getting really excited in here. Um, oh, the milk! I want to do a milk punch. I want to. I yes. Milk punch. Like that a milk really wash or a milk base. It's it's sh sugar, water, brandy, rum, ice. So it looks like it's, oh, and fill with milk. <laughs> it's a full milk punch. You shake it all together, fill it up with milk, and then shave nutmeg over the top. Yeah. Like Eggnoggy, but like more of a. It's just a different kind of. That's a milk punch, and so you really you make like a huge bowl of it. Big, yeah. Yeah. Come over. yeah. Oh, I good thought stuff. of one more good um, good recommendation to other bartenders out there. If you're looking to riff a really good cocktail, look up the New York City cocktail bars, mm -hmm. um, and then look at their menus, and then play around with it, and you yeah. can do like a really good high end riff from a cocktail that you maybe don't have to think too much about but yeah. as long as you change it a little bit it's okay i do that with uh employees only all the mm -hmm. time and i hope you don't run into trouble <laughs> but no i, I, I love that because it's only, just so. that um i mean that's that's how, that's basically what people used to do except they would 
you know, they would travel to, you know, you, you use the technology you have. People would travel exactly. to New York, make their way around the bars, try to study some recipes. And then by the time they got home, maybe they remembered one because they had a bunch of cocktails while they were out. So now we can actually go online. And one of the first cocktails we had on the show was actually the, um, Kelly, what was it called? Oh, shit. Peter Huggins cocktail from the time slip. Um, it was, it was, it was um, it's a sour made with um, like a high proof rum and uh and yuzu um, yes yuzu is a fun one to work with though it's yeah. trickier than an orange but if you're good with meyer i think you can really kill a yuzu cocktail yeah and this one was like it was like a yuzu lemon mix um for the for the tart and the sour and it, it just ended up being really really good um yeah and he's he's one of the he's one of our new york friends um, it was funny we actually got to meet him because somebody the, the guy we uh, the um uh, our guest that we had on had gone to New York and had this drink. And so then he like, he helped us do some research and track down cause he couldn't remember what it was called. And then we found the guy who actually made it and talked to him and he like provided us the recipe so we could try to make it ourselves here. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, I think we're, we're probably hitting that last call mark of the show. Yeah. You ready for the last shot? Yep. All right. Here. All right, cheers. All right, cheers. Thanks for doing this, Emily. I know this was so much fun. Also, should you guys have a feeling of holiday spirit, we have um, the PGH uh, Restaurant Workers Aid on Instagram. You can look on Miracle PGH, and we are donating toys through Target to restaurant workers like all of us that want to make their kids Christmas. Perfect. And now we're all out of work in Pennsylvania. Um, as well as the food bank, we're kind of taking wish lists for people in the food bank and getting their toy recommendations for them going over there and making sure that their Christmases are awesome too. I'm just so excited. I love Christmas. I'm like Buddy the Elf as a, an adult female human. I wish I was from the North Pole, you know? I appreciate that. <laughs> That's awesome. It's awesome. I love, I love, um, I love the amount of love that gets spread around this time of year. It's really a, it's a somebody who really values uh, people treating each other nicer. It's, this is probably one of the best times of year. Right. One of my favorite times to be a bartender is the week leading up until Christmas. And yeah. I mean, the, the restaurant workers, like if you guys are not restaurant workers and you're listening, fucking show us up, do way better in charity than we do because we don't make that much money and we love giving it away and helping everyone yeah. else out. So well, other people that make more money should. Yeah. There's, there's a big value in, um, in taking care of each other. There's, there's some kind of fulfillment that doesn't really come through anything else other than just that action. Right. Everyone should think of that one moment in that movie Elf when they said that his dad was on the naughty list. And everyone should think of how am I being that guy in that moment? And I should be him at the end where he's fantastic and wants to help everyone out. Like everyone needs a little help, especially Christmas. Think mm -hmm. about you were as a kid if you didn't get that Ninja Turtles bus. You would have been so right. sad. Would have been so sad, especially in a year that was so strange that caused so many challenges for so many people the, those of us that you know are out there that that you know are, are blessed you know can really lift up some other people with just a little bit of effort exactly exactly if you have it to give 
do it. If not, if you're like me and you're just a sappy human being, I, I gave half my unemployment. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sorry. I mean, I'm happy for everyone. Like I said, I have, I'm fine. My mm -hmm. tree is full of my trinkets that I've bought for myself, but yeah, if you can give, give in your local areas, if you can, if not, definitely go through the, the PGH restaurant workers aid and help someone else out. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. For it. Thank you for that. That's awesome. That's really a beautiful sentiment too. Appreciate it. Um, cool. Uh, that, uh, any uh, people, do you want to, do you feel comfortable giving out a Instagram contact or? Yeah. If you guys have any questions about anything or, um, hate anything I said or need any help <laughs> getting any stuff for Christmas for people, I can send you the links. I'm uh, really easy to find on Instagram. I'm at, M Drisks, E M D R I S C S. You'll find me because I say I'm a passionate muddler, which is very true. Uh, but yeah, feel free to reach out to me there if you want any really bad cocktail tips or need any help donating your money to anything to get some kids some Christmas presents. And I see you just started following me. Joseph H. Christ. <laughs> so excited. New friends. Yes. I'm hoping to help people, especially like with all the Christmas stuff. It's my favorite time of year. I, I lose so many of those card games where you, you know, you, the card game where they say, don't tell people you like this or you have to take the card, you have to take a shot. I'm mm -hmm. the fucking worst with the Christmas ones because the card comes up and it's like, who cares the most about Christmas? They're like, well, Emily, without a doubt. And I unfortunately have to be like, yeah, it's cool. Let <laughs> me take the shot. <laughs> Did anyone get toys for children this year? <laughs> I, I love the holidays so I, and Hanukkah both like any time that I can make sure that people have a really good holiday especially kids we are here for it so if you have any questions I can shoot you in the right direction no matter what in terms of giving kids a good holiday right on well um, that wraps up one more life from the well thanks y'all for listening and thanks Emily for taking the time to share your stories with us um, yeah, this has been so much fun. I'm excited to start following you as well on Instagram, see what you get through. Cheers. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Cheers. You want to take one more shot before we call it? Okay, let's do it. Twist my arm. Party. I got nothing Cheers. to do the rest of the out. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you, Emily. We'll talk to you again. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, as always, to the Den Mother for for being here and, and, uh, cleaning up the mess that I, that I leave, <laughs> um, until next time. Cheers. Y'all love each other. Merry Christmas and probably happy new year. We'll talk to you soon. Um, until next time. Thanks for listening to life from the well, full of service industry stories and cocktail history. If you like our show and want to know more, check out lifefromthewell.com. Life from the Well would also like to thank our sponsors, Scratch Distillery and Barfly Mixology Gear. Join us next time for another new cocktail and guest.